Hello, and welcome back to the RevOps Show. This week's episode is the last one of the year before we go on holiday break. So if you're picking up the show now, go back and watch the previous episodes. We'll be back in full swing in 2022. To all of our listeners and viewers out there, we just want to say thank you so much for your interest in the show. If you're feeling extra happy this season, we'd appreciate the help in getting reviews on the show so that more people like you can access the hot takes and insights. In terms of the show, today Jess and Doug are discussing Deal Desk, what it is, who's involved, who may not be involved, and where to start setting one up. So with that, let's get into it. Jess. Doug. I see that smile on your face. You're in a vacation frame of mind. You're in a vacation state of mind, aren't you? There are four and a half work days between me and a vacation. And why don't you tell everybody where you're going? To the happiest place on earth, Disney World. You know, there would definitely be people that would uh, disagree with both statements happiest place in the world and that's a vacation well you know i i feel bad for those sad sad individuals because it is my happy place so, so what makes it such the happy place for you well you know there's you had brought this up yesterday that that part of part of the enjoyment for me is the fact that you have to heavily plan it and as an ops person that's very exciting for me. So the Disney vacation is all, is not just the week that you're there, but it's the lead up to it and all of the planning. So, so what you're saying is that the, that the trip, the visit to Disney world is really the celebration of the vacation, which was the hours and hours of minute logistical planning to figure out how to, cover the greatest amount of ground in the resource allocation that you have days in park. Correct. Yep. 100% accurate. Gotcha. That's why it's my happy place. Are are you able to be there and and feel like, like to have time to do nothing or do you feel like if you're not doing, like if you're not doing stuff, then there's your. Oh no, we have downtime. Part. We have down, we have downtime, we have relaxation time, all of that. So yeah, no, it's not go, go, go the whole time I'm there. So it will be a vacation. It will be relaxing. And, and eight-year-old and five-year-old, right? And uh, how, old right. Is the, how old is the oldest, the third child? 40. 40. So 48 and five? Yep. Um, and, and last time you went, how long ago was that? It's been two years. So this will be, this will be unique because I haven't been, obviously, since COVID. So we'll see. We'll see kind of how it's different. Probably more masks. Um, and and there were no melt. Or there was one meltdown last time. We had one meltdown. She was three. The three-year-old lost it and had to take her out of the restaurant. But that's not a Disney vacation if that doesn't happen. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like I have full expectation we're going to have right. a couple of meltdowns. I might have a meltdown while we're there. It's possible. You should go so. for it. You should go for it. <laughs> You know, I had, I had one other question unrelated to the vacation. Um, I was watching one of my favorite dumb movies, Back to School, and I realized, you know, this year being the year of the Olympics, mm-hmm. you think about all the years and all the the work that's been done in, in diving and just how much better the dive 
the divers are, then then, but no, still no one has done the triple ending. Oh man! <laughs> right? I mean, why hasn't anyone done that one yet? That that I, that's supposed to be the ultimate. I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> don't have a good answer for me. No. All right. I guess I guess we better get to our uh, our topic of the day, Jess. What are we talking we about should. today? What, what what's the RevOps topic we're talking about today? I want to talk about Deal Desk. Oh, ho, ho, ho. boy, it's a good thing that we're only having RevOps people listen to this because you've just caused heartburn for thousands and thousands of sales reps. Possibly the the RevOps people too. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll you see probably, if we get into it. It's probably true. This is actually something that that came up for the first time for me with a with a client of ours a few years ago, and I had never heard of about it. So I actually deal desk is a fairly new concept for me um so i kind of wanted to just talk about you, should, you know, shouldn't say that out loud jess it's an old old concept so, but. sorry sorry, sorry. um i want to talk about what is deal desk and and how do you know if you need it so so let's start with the first question what what is deal desk for for those of us that that aren't familiar with it i mean so so a deal desk goes back in yeah, I mean, it, it goes back generations of, of salespeople. It, it really, you know, in, in, in the beginning of you, you know, salespeople would be working on certain things and, and, and the deal desk was kind of where the central, you know, it's where all information was exchanged. So I'd come back and, you know, estimators had to do things or things had to be priced. So it's kind of the deal desk was the was literally the desk was the, you know, someone responsible. And if you think in the marketing world, you might call them traffic managers, the deal desk kind of originated in, in a traffic management um, element. Um, because it, and again, if you think about it, where sales really um, originated as a profession and a discipline was manufacturers representatives who would represent more than one manufacturer. So you'd have different you know, different inventories with different people that were constantly being updated, different pricing and, and, and so forth. And so deal desk was the one that made sure that um, that the salespeople had the access to the information that they needed. And then that further, not that salespeople would ever not pay attention to the detail that they needed to pay attention to, or would ever have a contract or agreement completed without all the necessary um, data and information um, it, it was kind of a, a, a and, and this is where deal desk, I think, got misapplied in a lot of ways and got, you know, th th this is where the heartburn comes from, um, is it, it, it's, it was responsible for ensuring that sales reps were in compliance with whatever systems, tools and processes. So they were, it was almost like the quality control inspector seven of, of sales process. That's how it got implemented in a lot of ways. So. I heard I heard you talk about pricing and compliance. Those were kind of the two the two keywords that that I pulled out. So what it, what is Deal Desk's job to be done? Is it being able to put the right pricing in place and and compliance for the sales reps, or is it something different? Well, you that? know, a, a, a lot of ways it. I mean, especially if you go back a long time ago, and and even where I see it today, Deal Desk. I mean, again, it's the traffic manager. Right. So the traffic manager didn't put the creative together. The traffic manager didn't choose the photo, but the traffic manager makes sure that the right image is in the right place at the right time where these things come together. Um, and, and, and so, I mean, probably the primary role that, that historically deal desk played was, was, was that of intermediary and facilitator. 
Um, and, and, you know, b- before the order goes back to, you know, operations to make sure everything is complete on, on the quote or, or before something was going to get quoted, do we have all the information? Oh, no, you missed this information. You've got to go back and get. So, so it wasn't, um, and, and by the way, from a pricing standpoint, it wasn't that deal desk was pricing it. It was, and, and again, remember, this goes back to when pricing was in catalogs, um, right. when hot sheets came from your manufacturers that had updated pricing or were running a special on here. Um, it was, you know, going through those catalogs or whatever the case may be. So now I don't think I answered your question fully, but I don't remember fully what the question was. So, well, you, g- you gave us a really good history of deal desk and kind of where it came from. But what I want to understand is in today's world, wh- what is deal desk job? Like what, what, what are we hi- thinking about the jobs to be done? What are we hiring deal desk to do today? If we have a deal desk. Team? So. I think that it's situational, right? I don't, I don't know that I would, so technology comes along and, and if you do, if, if you build your CRM and, and you build your systems and you build your structures and you build your processes correctly, a lot of what a deal desk did is, is done automatically now, right? So, so I can quality control information by setting up um, the technology correctly. And instead of it being, a pushback that says, oh, you did this wrong, I can set it up so that reps are queued to, you know, to get it right. And in, in, in very much the way that total quality management eliminated inspector seven and built the genius into the system, you know, with, with the proper implementation of, of technology, I can eliminate a lot of the historically prime functionality of, of what a deal desk does. Um, that, that being said, there are, um, and I think we talked about it. it may have been in the last episode there there are app you know there are aspects that you can automate yeah and there are aspects that you can't automate there are there are aspects that that require um and, and, and I think if they require human intervention there you want to look to remove that requirement over time now the worst thing you can do is force the removal of that requirement but, but ideally, as technology gets smarter, and, and as we get smarter, and as we have more at-bats in designing our system, we can eliminate the requirements. But there are also places where human intervention, where the process benefits from human intervention. So it might not be efficient, but, but it benefits. So, you know, I, th- I think DealDesk can manage um, a lot of complexity. So, you know, and like I know in, in, in a situation that, you know, with the client where you became familiar with what deal desk was, one of the things that the deal desk did was when, when an opportunity hit a certain stage, it was triggered to the deal desk to review the, the company to make sure that it was a company that, that, you know, based upon what the opportunity looked like, you know, the path it was going on, you know, was this a company that we could deliver yep you know, can, can we even sell to them and and you couldn't you couldn't do that before and there was you know there was information that the rep would learn about the company and then there was um data resources that they had that determined whether or not they were involved in various networks that that, that would make that match um and that was a place where you know 
you you needed somebody to to look at and understand what the nuance of something was and 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 based upon what 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 the context of the situation was it it could eliminate that that opportunity as an opportunity or it could change the path or what the rep was required to do and what information was necessary for the rep to get um through through the process to commence to a sale um and your choice there was I can have the rep do, you know, figure all that out. That's a very bad use of a rep's time. Um, and there was a lot of arcane um, components that go into it, right? And, and, and so, um, you know, that, that was a place where the deal desk could make sure that the rep doesn't get too far, right? And so it reduces wasted time. Um, it also had had the the effect of because they couldn't get too far it reduced the likelihood that they were going to miss important information because it had to get cleared beforehand um and and so somebody else was 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 doing that research that you know fit much more in the rhythm of their day and you know they they had more of that knowledge base anyway so so that was an example you know there there's an example of a of, of a traffic management function you, you know, in, in its own way, anytime, you know, if, if you're involved on, you know, where, where you need to estimate something or, or, you know, what, what, what's the basic scope that's involved here, you've got a deal desk functionality, you may not call it a deal desk. But you know, I, I see a lot of places where the sales rep reaches out to the estimating department, and, and, and talks to an estimator. And, Right. And, and one of the things I know about that, those are high, high friction situations because every rep talks about the situation differently. Every estimator taught, you know, approaches it differently. So there's lots of confusion that happens there. There's an opportunity where, where a central clearing place, I think could probably handle that better. You could actually pick up efficiency and, and while, you know, you, you have an element where, um, okay, we need to get this estimated and, and that might be a process. They, they, they take some amount of time, you know, the estimator might have to, you know, reach out to different suppliers, configure, someone might be working on scope ideas or, 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 or things like that. And you've got a rep, you know, without a deal desk, the rep is going to, is going to kind of hold that and carry that, you know, what's the progress on this, checking on that, checking on that. Um, squeaky will gets the grease with, you know, with the deal desk, you've got, you know, an isolated place where, okay, I get to turn that over to the deal desk. And now I've got a central place in terms of, in terms of contact and communication, but also I now know that it is in the hands of somebody that is viewing the, the complexity and, 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 and that holistic. And, and, you know, we've got a situation where we've got a variation of a deal desk because as a rep is moving forward, there is an assessment that gets done that involves different engineering, di different members of the engineering team coming yeah. together to review things. Um, and that's not something that is conducive. That's not the best use of a sales rep's time. And so that deal desk manages that. So, so those are some examples of kind of the process management side of things. Then I think there's also a strategic element of a deal desk. So, so even when you don't have the process management side of things, I'm all, I've always been a fan of what I call an opportunity review team. Um, and that is, you know, there are certain stages where, you know, th th that are high value, high inflection um, in terms of how I'm managing that sales process. And when you're, when you're in the sale, you're, you have, you have what's called an insider's view. 
a, a deal desk, the strategic side of it, an opportunity review team maintains an outsider's viewpoint. You know, sellers are naturally op optimistic, right? I'm a pretty skeptical person and I manage the what's wrong with this picture about as well as anybody. But when I'm in the sale, I'm obviously seeing things that say, this is an opportunity, this is an opportunity that's worth it. And, and you can't balance both of those equally well, having an outside perspective that says, have you considered this? What about that? Um, you know, is, is this really, you know, what, what, what's, what's the juice for the squeeze? Um, where are your blind sides? What patterns are we seeing that are opportunistic? What patterns are we seeing um, that are negative? And, and, and what a good review team will do is, is they'll not only help reps spend less time on opportunities that that they're going to end up wasting time on but they'll also identify paths and opportunities where the win becomes bigger um or hey there's this you know there, there's a 33 percent chance this is going to be an obstacle but if we do this instead of this we'll reduce that or you know so, so again it, it, it's having that outsider's viewpoint and 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 and, and building more of that collaboration so that we're we're more we're more focused in on 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 what are the right actions, what are the right things. That makes sense. Um, so if you don't have a deal desk team or a deal desk function, whatever we want to, whatever term we want to use, what what are some indicators that you might need to create that? Like what are what are the triggers that I know? Okay, you know what? I need to implement some kind of opportunity review or or deal desk. Yeah, so so I would actually think of it, I mean, like I wouldn't go in saying, do I need a deal desk? Mm -hmm. I, I think anytime you're seeing, anytime you're seeing lots of friction in, in, in a place or lots of confusion, any place where you see um, wasted time, I mean, look, the, you know, the data on how much time salespeople spend selling versus how much they spend uh, managing administrative aspects. You know, one, one of the places where, where I think you've got an opportunity, you know, where a deal test type functionality can come in is, you know, what are the things that reps are doing that, that frankly, they'd be better off having someone else do? You know, I mean, if you go, you know, if you go back to the days of Don Draper, every salesperson had a sales admin who, you know, who took care of all their, um, you know, who took care of that admin stuff, yeah. right? And, and I'm not suggesting we go back to those days in any way, shape or form, but, but I am saying that you know, you know, the beautiful thing about technology is we've been able to, you know, reduce the headcount in those, um, you know, moving things around roles, but, but to some degree, it's also then fallen way too much on somebody who, sh who, who probably isn't very good at that and, and isn't, and, and, and that's not, you know, you're overpaying them to do that candidly. So, so I think, you know, again, any place where there's a lot of friction, any place where, where salespeople are spending time, um, if you see false positives. So, you know, if, if I see closing rates, I mean, one of the best ways to increase closing rate is to introduce a deal desk, introduce an opportunity review team, because by the way, the fastest way to reduce, I'm sorry, the fastest way to increase the close rate, the fastest way to increase your win rate is to ask fewer people. Yeah. Right. Um, but but an interesting thing is, you know, I think we put too much on a rep to qualify. 
right? So we're putting too much on the rep to exclude. And, and, and we throw all kinds of numbers at reps like sales cycle time, close rate, sales velocity, which most people calculate sales velocity differently than what we, how we calculate sales velocity. And, and, and so you end up, you end up bringing a rep, you know, a, a rep ends up filtering more and more and more. Right. And then, and then they get told, well, you know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. Right. And then they're told, well, why'd you move forward with this one? And, and what, what I think people don't understand sometimes is I actually, you know, when I'm, you know, especially if I'm in growth mode, I, I think you want a percentage of false positives. I want a rep to, to be, um, to err on the side of, of pursuing something that shouldn't be pursued. Why is that? Because you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Um, because, because you learn a lot more when, when it's no, um, because when, when my job is like, if we look at a conversion rate and we say higher conversion is better, Mm-hmm. then we naturally, you know, that, that becomes a score. Yeah. Right. And so we naturally close our filter, right? So we, we, we play into our comfort zone. One of the things that's nice about false positives is we learn something about a, a, um, a tangential market, potentially a tangential need, you know, okay, this is a false positive for what we're doing right now. But, but maybe as we understand it more, maybe that's a place where, where we do broaden our solution there, you know, may, Hey, wow, maybe there is this need over here. Um, I, I think that, you know, when, when, like, as an example, when we work on messaging, uh, we always work to, to put too much in the draft that we share. Yeah. Right. Because I'd rather edit out and, and how often is it something that we edit out, but in the editing out of it, it actually sparks something that leads to what the core message is that is better. And, and, and so if we, in essence, edit that before, then, then, then we don't see. And, and, and I think the natural element when, when we talk about these things is, and again, especially when it's incumbent on me, is I'm, I'm naturally going to move tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and I'm probably going to miss a move. Right. Yeah. I'm actually going to be less agile because of it. Whereas if I'm bringing in some, then on second, yeah, it's probably not worth it. Or, or a lot of times yeah, it's not worth it yet. You know, we talk about sales and marketing alignment. That's one of the great places where, Hey, you know, we just had this situation yesterday where this is something that marketing needs to do, right? Yeah. This is something that marketing needs to pick up. This is a message that we need to, because like, it, it's a good fit from a demographic standpoint, you know, with the company, but their specific situation, like it involves a whole lot of other change and, and other elements. Um, and, you know, the reality is I think that the path that our client's going to go there is a, a marketing element that, that teaches, you know, brings a teaching point of view. And then also a partnership because, you know, th- this piece that we're seeing that makes it not really a fit for sales. Part of the reasons it's not a fit for sales is, there's a core element of the change that's going to happen that our client doesn't have anything to do with. Well, this might be a great place for them to create a partnership with organizations that do address that aspect of it. So they can provide more of a full solution. They could broaden their market, but, but it's not their resources. It's not their cost that have to take all of that. They're, you know, they'll be able to leverage that with, with a partner potentially. If we weren't bringing in that false positive, yeah. then, then, 
we wouldn't learn that. See, one of the reasons that deal desks have bad names is because they're, you know, they get called the the sales police. They get called the, you know, Department of Sales Prevention. There's 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 a conflict that exists, right? Um, we think there, there's a tendency to always think of conflict intention as bad, right? And and certainly conflict intention can be bad, but where there's no conflict or tension, there's no growth. Where there's no conflict or tension, there's no energy, right? And 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 so there should be a tension between that or, or or else we we get more and more tunnel in, in, in how we think about things. So so that, um, you know, so, so if, if to, to a degree, reps should always be, you know, especially early, let, let, let's let's err to the side of 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 it being positive and And let's have systems in place that that that, that kind of force it in. And, and and I would say, you know, a lot of times I see things that at first, I mean, heck, how many times have I told you you just had this conversation? Oh my God, yeah, you want to talk about it being a met, you know, yada, yada, yada. but right. but then in that, you know, in the underlying process that we then follow through, all of a sudden the quality of the deal increases. Well, we learned that with with false positive. and And I can tell you when 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 your win rates get too high, that's actually a sign of of you're, you're you're losing some resilience, right? Because you're not you're not entering those new markets or those new situations where you couldn't yeah. win those before, right? So like if you're looking to grow, you 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 better be increasing your average lifetime value. You better increasing average sale value, right? Those things better be going up. Well, well, that means I'm going to be entering markets. I'm going to be I'm going to be entering opportunities that that aren't fits for me today, right? Right, but. But having that come in and being able to see that and, and, and ensuring that, you know, what, what a good deal desk, what a good opportunity review team does is it actually builds a learning organization into it. So, so you become more robust, you become more resilient. Um, so who should be on the deal desk team? That, uh, that, I mean, that's a hard, that, 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 that's a very hard question to, to answer, to, to answer in, 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 a, in a generic fashion. Um, I, you know, I think there needs to be somebody that, that that's head of sales oriented from from a strategic element. What level of, I mean, I, I guess, are we talking about an, the opportunity review side of it? Or are we talking about the the process side of it? Let's talk about the opportunity review side. Who should be on the opportunity review team? You you, you should probably have um, somebody that has has some authority and leadership on your operation side, maybe on your finance side, um, certainly on your sales side and, and, you know, probably marketing. You, 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 you might even have ultimately a rotating opportunity review team. So like in, in larger organizations, you'll have multiple people that, oh, gotcha. that, that come together. Not every, you know, you're, everyone's not reviewing every single opportunity. Um, you probably want to have a sales engineer, uh, you know, or a solution designer that, 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 that is a part of that, you know, and, and, and here again, this is where we go. The business process has to drive, the the implementation of the deal desk not 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 the other way around you know and 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 you need you need to have i mean there's there's kind of an element of what makes a good opportunity review person um and that's why i like a mix of, of disciplines in there because they're going to view it differently you know but part of what a good opportunity review team will do for a sales rep is is strengthen the sales case earlier in the process so so the 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 opportunity review team will say, no, we don't see this as good. And the sales rep has to make their case for why it's good, right? Why, why it is a quality opportunity that this is the path to the win. And, and it forces the rep to think through things um, 
and to strengthen or, or to realize, I mean, the number of times you identify missing role players, uh, you know, other elements like that, you know, those come in. So, so it, it really is, who are the people that are most impacted by a sale happening? Where's the friction? What, what are you optimizing for? You know, that, that, that's where I think you get into, you know, that, that, that's how you begin to comprise who the who. Um, is there anybody who shouldn't be on the on the on the opportunity review? I said deal desk, but really we're talking about opportunity review. Is there anybody who should not be on that team? I, I, I'm sure there are, but mm -hmm. again, it's to, to answer that generically. Depends on it the... just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, gotcha. you know, it, when, when, when you start off and you're small, it, it might just be, I mean, it might just be the VP of sales. It might just be the owner of the company. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. So if you don't have a deal desk function and you're looking to create one, where, where do you start? Like what, where, where do you kind of start to be able to introduce this, this functionality and, and what are the, what are kind of the key components that I need to be able to have a deal desk review or an opportunity review? So, so this is why deal desks have bad names is because they're treated generic. Like I, I think what's the problem that you're solving? What, 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 I, I think deal desks should, should form, you know, fairly organically. And, and, and especially when we're looking on the process side, the deal desk might be something that, that is temporary because, because ultimately your tech should be able to take over a lot of that. But, but one of the things that happens is, you know, you know, one of our key principles of, of effective tech implementation is if you can't do it manually, you can't automate it. Yeah. Right? And so one of the mistakes that happen is we see this problem and we go, oh, well, let's just make that rule in the CRM. And that actually creates even more havoc, right? So you might have, you know, a deal desk functionality to, to, to deal with this as you begin to get your hands around it. That, it, that again is going to come, where's the friction? What are you trying to do? And it, so I would say this too, if you're starting out, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you want to come out and have a, you know, a full deal desk where we're now going to address everything you, you begin to, you know, a, a good deal desk should increase the resilience and velocity of the sales organization, which, which doesn't always mean it creates efficiency in all facets because, because part of what a deal desk does is it slows things down. Um, actually heard a, heard a quote on this, you know, um, slow is smooth smooth is fast oh that's interesting right and and and, and it, you know it comes from like the 15 mile rule we're going to advance 15 miles every day no matter what yeah whereas instead of um and and apparently it's a military term it, like the way the infantry um move you know advanced infantries move etc you know less trained you know run forward take as much ground as fast as they can quote unquote as fast as they can it's kind of our conversation of the difference between speed and velocity Right. right, but but they end up going too far. They they outstretch their supply lines, or or suddenly, you know, when they do get attacked, they're in a, you know, they they moved into a terrain that they didn't fully understand. So now, you know, getting into the right position to defend, etc. Um, and so if it's not smooth, and if you think about it, if it's not smooth, you can't you can't be fast. You can't be fast. Right, it's disruption. Right, lots of disruption. So you need to slow down to be smooth. And 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 the story of that is it's it's consistency beats sprints yeah right you know so 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 you start off and, and you go okay this this is a piece this is an element and like i said where, where are reps spending time that they shouldn't be spending time where where are we seeing disruption that, that would help us um organizationally if we had 
had less disruption. That's that that's where I would begin to experiment with with a deal type deal desk type functionality. And would you start with specific opportunities where you're realizing that that things are getting held up? Is that how you would kind of determine it, it might what be opportunity types, or it might be like like I said, you know, hey, um, like I know with one of our clients, I'd I'd love to see them introduce deal desk functionality around, you know, how they move to quote. I think reps yeah. waste way too much time putting quotes together. I think they'd be far better off um, if if they put it over. And by the way, I'm also a believer. This is, you know, never give sales rep pricing power, right? I remember, one, you know, one of my favorite stories from Kevin Plank, who was the founder and CEO of, of Under Armour, is he, he told the story that, you know, when he started the company, he carried two cards, one card, he was president, the other card, he was VP of sales, right? And the reason was, so when he was talking to a customer, to a prospect or a customer, he was VP of sales, they'd ask for a price concession. And he'd say, look, I, I want to give you the price, like, I, absolutely, I want to do this. But you know, it, it, it's not my call, I got to go back, I got to talk to the old man, get, you know, make, so I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Right. right. And then when he was talking to a vendor, he used the president card, because he was now asking for the discount, you know, he right. was asking for the price concession, and he was making it clear, look, the decision rests here. Right. And um, you know, the number of days I, you know, number of times I wish I didn't have, you know, when I'm selling, I do get to set the price here. I, in a lot of ways, I'd be better off if I didn't. Right. I, I, you know, and, and, and so I, you know, now it, with, with good CPQ technology, you can automate that. And, and now you don't need the desk for this, but, but in, you know, in our, in this client's case, the, their situation is complex and they don't have all the data to, to be able to automate that. So it does require some manual um, components to it. Now, I know that they have a lot of reps there that would be very mad at that. Oh, no, no, I need to estimate this, right? Yeah. That That's that's reps being unwilling to give up control. And and I'm going to say, look, you know, we're in, we're a sales organization. We're not, we're not sales individuals. And, you know, one of the tough things to understand is optimizing for optimizing for the organization is not always optimizing for the individual. So, so there, 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 there's the element of that control. And then the other aspect is, you know, it, it's Parkinson's law work expands to the time allotted. And so it's like, okay, this is something, this is one of, I'm going to say this, when, when, when reps are putting quotes together, it is, they're not doing sales work, right? It, it's, it falls into the category of, of, it looks really important, but you know, it's a hell of a lot easier to do that than it is to make the next call, have the next conversation, you know, whatever that case may be. You know, my question is, is that really what I want my reps doing, putting those pieces together? Wouldn't I be better off having somebody else who does that all the time and knows the flow and the pieces in the front end and the back end, et cetera. So that, you know, so I, I would say again, where, where is, is time being misspent? Where's disruption? Where's, where's friction? Okay. Gotcha. So, as far as like, if we, if you were to implement a deal desk and you want to know if it's effective. So what, I, what I'm getting from you, I think a lot of people might use sales cycle time to kind of measure effectiveness of deal desk. But what I'm hearing from you is you got to identify the points where you're getting slowed down, where there's too much friction, and then look at those specifically to see if deal desk is kind of helping with those pieces. Yeah, I, I would say to some degrees, deal desk might actually increase sales cycle time for, for how sales cycle time is actually measured. And I don't think that that's like the role of, of, of the deal desk is not to reduce sales cycle time. I would say it's to reduce the value of time spent. It should increase like 
not having a rep do quoting naturally increases the capacity right for the rep if it, if it's done correctly right so so there's there's a capacity component you know i know that reps are like oh my god i got to get a quote right now it's like you know it, it's 2:30 on wednesday afternoon oh wait i got to get the quote right now yeah well, you you could get the quote to him on monday it's not going to make any difference right heck the person is is has headed to the conference right they're right. not back until monday you know so so having somebody else do it would, would would actually slow that down but again it's it's about matching you know it, it it's about matching activities um if if there's a lot of rework that gets done if there's a lot of you know hey this is getting turned over to our operations and now you know, and they're stuck. I mean, how many times have we dealt with the onboarding problem is they're missing important pieces of information? Well, a deal desk, and, and by the way, you can, you know, you can have deal desk where it, you know, at this point it goes to deal desk or the deal desk is monitoring the, the reporting through the process. So as things are progressing, you know, they're able to see, um, boop, here's, you know, hey, this deal's at this stage, it's missing this piece, right? It's pretty, you know, if we can get this information now, it's it 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 it's probably going to help. Um, and, and you know, if you think about what we do, and actually maybe we should start calling it this. You know, a lot of what we're doing and how we build out CRM implementations is we're building automated deal desk functionality. That's interesting that you bring that up because because in my research of kind of looking at deal desk and prepping for the episode, I don't think people think about deal desk that way. I think most people are looking at it as at this point it goes to deal desk for review mm -hmm. but they're not looking at that functionality could actually be monitoring the whole process mm -hmm. and you're not actually stopping and and Correct. so so what you're talking about is it could potentially go through the whole way with deal desk overseeing it and not quote unquote stopping to go to deal desk or like but if it's missing something at stage two deal desk would come in and say hey guys you're we've got to get x y and z on this to move the opportunity forward mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. interesting. I, I like I said, I don't think that it's being thought about that way. And I had never thought about that. But that is a lot of what we do. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, I think um, I mean, that that piece was certainly interesting. I think the other the other point that got brought up is, um, you know, the quality deal desk can kind of help um, impact the quality of the time spent by the rep. So while it may not you know, reduce the sales cycle time, it certainly would increase capacity of the rep and make sure that they're their time is well spent um, and and pick up, you know, efficiencies there. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying that it will increase. I'm just saying that like, if I'm looking at deal desk and I'm using sales cycle time as a measurement of deal desk, then then you're not likely gonna have a particularly effective deal desk. Yeah. Um, again, what I'm looking at is is, is, is velocity. Yeah. Right, and, and there's, you know, a lot of different ways in terms of how, in terms of how you wanna ultimately measure that. And and by the way, there there are so many sales velocity metrics that at the end, the the I always forget it's the denominator on the bottom right. I'm I'm pretty good at math, but I can never remember which is the numerator and which is the denominator. I'm I'm pretty sure the denominator is on the bottom. Yeah. Right. And 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 so like the problem when you use sales cycle time as as a as a key aspect of the metric, that's the denominator, and that means the fastest way to increase my number is to have fewer days. Well, the fastest way to have fewer days is wait to log my opportunities. Don't don't move on an opportunity. You know, like I, I've got low probability opportunities that are in our pipeline 
that as a matter of we should probably do this we should probably take a look at our forecast confidence it's been interesting um i'm not sure we can uh, but if you know if you take a look at the sales cycle time by forecast confidence mm -hmm. um but i can tell you that our like our low probability opportunities have longer sales cycle times most likely well actually they either have really short yeah or really long yeah because you know what i'm not saying no to it yet i'm not i'm not moving it to close loss it's still something we're working on like i've got you know we've got a situation where there's a condition that that that's it's actually dependent on on third party whether or not that third party is going to be able to meet this condition um and and so yeah it's in there and and we're doing things to say top of mind but it's a very slow play it's a very low pull it, it takes very very little of our capacity but again if i was looking at sales velocity it'd be killing my sales velocity number yeah because right? it's also not that big of a deal right right now what what's interesting is if we win it it has the opportunity like if so if the condition right. can be met and we win it it's got tremendous expand opportunity right yeah and, and so right I, i'm so my sales cycle number is 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 insane but but i you know but this week i'm not doing anything on it and we've got automated components that, that make sure that i don't forget right. it's right and so like in terms of how much we can handle what we're like every other element that, that really gets to the robustness and the resiliency is strong and as we're looking at that metric we, we, we want to be able to manage that. And by the way, that's another place where kind of, I'm kind of playing that deal desk right. on that, yeah. which is like <laughs> making sure that we have that gate and, and yeah. we don't waste a lot of time, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I thought this was, this was good. This was interesting. Sure. I told you this was going to be a good one. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thanks. Well, Jess, I guess this is the last one we're doing until, until you're back from vacation. So uh, here's a toast to you, Jess. We'll, Cheers. We'll, we'll talk to you on the other side. Bye, everybody. And that's a wrap on the last episode of the RevOps show of this year. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Like I mentioned at the beginning, leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Doug or Jess or have something you want them to discuss in the new year, email me at hannah at imaginellc.com or hit us up on Twitter at demandcreator. Until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream.